as you see, we, we have been focusing on discipleship, and that has been very, very clear as we've been going through our study through the Gospel of John, as we teach through verse by verse, chapter to chapter. Uh, past Sunday and today, a little bit different. Uh, I love just being in the Word and just, just, you know, sharing God's Word. We're going to be looking at a few different things. We're going to share a lot of scriptures today, but it's going to be a little different than what we're typically used to. But we've been talking about this whole role of discipleship and seeing people that are growing in Christ. It's kind of been the theme that we've sensed the Lord putting on our hearts here for this coming year is follow me, this forward motion. And that all kind of really stemmed from our last chapter in John that we went through the first Sunday in January here of 2020. John 21, as Jesus was restoring Peter, and he said to him a couple of times, follow me. Peter, don't worry about what others are doing, what's going to happen to them. You follow me. And so that's really been our, that springboard here for continuing to talk about discipleship as we've just completed this um, uh, this group here in the 2-7 series that uh, we're going to be looking to do again um, at another date this year. And, and then even moving into the second book there with those that have done the first book already. And, and just again, really seeing people growing in their walk with Christ. And so last week, we looked at this area of growth. Let me bring up that slide we looked at last week here. And so this is what we were kind of focusing on last week, because we looked at these stages of growth in the believer. And and in any given Sunday, you're going to see people in any of these categories here. But what's really interesting is if you were to kind of look at, and different surveys and, and things have kind of revealed, the highest percentage of people in churches today what area they fit in. Anybody, anybody care to take a guess what you think the majority of people would fit in uh, in these areas of growth? Infant, spiritual infant. Wow, okay. Um, that's very close. Spiritual child, 75% of Christians in churches, not this church, you guys are all well past that. <laughs> you guys get fed well and, and just grow No. Uh, but 75% of Christians in just general would fit in that category of spiritual child. In other words, they're very self-focused. You, you see that I do a lot of times, and maybe people you're talking to, where church is all about them. What, what, how are they meeting my needs? What is that church going to do for me? By the way, Eric, really good to see you. Hey, Eric was in Philippines last week. We were praying for him. He was kind of stuck around that whole volcano area, and you made it back home. Just That's great, man. Good to see you. Just got the eyebrows singed a little, so you came out of there pretty good. Man, adventurous. You doing good? Yeah. When did you get back? Just Wednesday. That's right. Okay. Super cool. Good to see you, brother. Um, and so the whole spiritual child area um, has been where most people find themselves at, where it's just all self-indulged, everything's about me and and not interested in maybe the work of the Lord, the kingdom work, and other people. It's all about what, what's happening for me. And so we obviously want to see people that are growing from, first of all, every one of us was in that state of spiritual dead where we needed saving because of sin, separating us from Christ. We needed help. We couldn't do it ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We need Jesus. He died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And when we put our trust in Jesus as our Savior, as the means for bringing us into right standing with God, well, we move from being spiritually dead to being alive in Christ to, to, to a spiritual infant where, yeah, we need, we need some guidance, we need some help. But then we want to see them growing 
to a little bit more, you know, growing up into a spiritual child, but then moving on to young adult where you become a little more kingdom focused and then being a disciple maker where you're not just now focused on how can I grow, but how can I help others grow? And then eventually moving on even to saying, I want to help others help others to grow. Pretty exciting when you begin to see those things in operation in a church. And that's kind of what we were talking about last Sunday. Well, now today I want to talk about how do we see this happening? How do we see ourselves growing, moving? What's your, what's your present reality? Where would you like to be? How do we get there? How does this happen? That's what I want to kind of talk a little bit about here today as we continue on. Now, I'm going to put up on the screen here. What do you guys see? A circle? Yeah. That's great. Good. Okay. CJ needs a little more prayer than the rest of us. Spiritual infant. Um, <laughs> you, see, you see a circle. And, and what can that represent? It can represent a lot of things. It can represent, well, emptiness. There's nothing in there. Just empty. It could, for some of you, just represent a big zero. Which really, ultimately, can be a great representation of us. Right? Big zero. Empty. Apart from Christ. Right? Are you, are you being encouraged today so far? That's all of us, essentially, apart from Christ. We, we, we have nothing, and yet a lot of people try to fill that circle with a lot of things, right? A lot of people are trying to fill that, that circle with stuff that they're going to find is going to help maybe in their own identity, in their own satisfaction, in their own joy. But guess what? As Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, it's all vanity. It's all empty. It's all just a chasing in the wind. If we don't have Christ... And so that's what we want to look at here is seeing Christ becoming the center of our lives. And that circle represents us. And that circle, as we're going to go through here today, is going to represent this wheel. All right. A wheel. The wheel illustrates for us what is needed really in living a victorious, spirit-filled Christian life. Like I said, the key is having Jesus Christ the center and Lord of all we do. With Christ in control, life becomes very balanced. It becomes very effective. It becomes very purposeful. So the wheel is going to illustrate this Christ-centered, spirit-filled life, just as the driving force of a wheel comes from where? The hub, right? The hub. So Jesus now becoming the hub, the center of our lives, that's where the driving force, that's where things begin to move when we make Jesus the center of our lives, when we begin to see action and, and good things and fruit coming of that. In fact, John chapter 14, why don't you turn there? Because I would feel just incomplete if we didn't just open up our own scriptures here and look at something. And like I say, we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures today. But let me just start from John 15. Did I say 14? John 15. And we read here in verse 4. John 15, verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I in the vine, Jesus saying, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, notices, and I in him. Well, they're going to bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How many people are operating? It's not a rhetorical question, not a question for you. I'm just saying, but in general, how many people are trying to operate in their life, without Jesus being the center, without Jesus truly being in relationship or being in relationship with Jesus. 
And things are just kind of spinning out of control. And then Jesus goes on to say, I'm trying to find it here. No, I can't find it. Um, okay, we'll get back to it. We're going to bring it up later here. So seeing the wheel here as an illustration of our life. Now, there's three parts to this wheel that we're going to focus on here today. There's, first of all, the volitional dimension. The volitional dimension. This is what is regarding our, our relationship to our own will. And within that volitional dimension, we have a couple points here. We have the hub, which is Christ the center. So there's Jesus, the center of that wheel. Like I'd already said, the hub becomes the driving force to any wheel, the power by which is going to cause that wheel to, to move, to go. And Christ needs to be that driving force in our own lives. If we're going to see forward motion taking place, if we're going to see us growing, moving in our lives and growing in Christ, he needs to be the, the center point for all of us. If Jesus is not the center of your life, we remain motionless and ultimately without life because he is the way, the truth, and the life. If Jesus is not the center of your life, you remain motionless and not experiencing that life. Now, making Christ the center of your life is really an act of your will. It's a decision that you make to say, I want Jesus to be the very Lord of my life. Oh, there's a lot of things that I can put in that circle, a lot of things I can add, but unless Jesus is really dominant and the Lord of my life, then I'm really going to be lacking. And that becomes a matter of your choice and your will. That's the volitional dimension. We choose to say, Jesus, I want you to not just... Evolve and center around you. Jesus would say in Matthew uh, 22, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's something that we choose to do. He's not saying, I'm going to make you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. No. That's something that we choose to do. But he wants that to be with everything that we are, where he is the Lord of our whole lives. And the more that we're submitting to him, the more we'll be enjoying the blessings of a life centered on Christ. Here's some more verses to add to this here. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die. Man, it's even better. It's gain. Because then we're with Christ. And he's our life. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we see from these verses that at the moment of conversion, a, a person becomes born again. They enter into this life that is now linked to Christ. They are now in Christ, right? A new creation. But as Paul goes on to say in Galatians there, that not only are we in Christ, but guess what? Christ is in you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants you to enjoy fellowship, relationship with him. And we have an incredible position and privilege that we get to enjoy union and communion with Jesus now. Incredible. You know, the talk of the day right now is, where's Prince Harry and Meghan going to live? Where are they going to reside? Is it possible that they're going to come to BC, maybe Vancouver? Is it possible that we're going to, by chance, have an opportunity to rub shoulders with royalty? How many people have been thinking about that? I know Tony has been really thinking about that a lot. 
But that's been the talk of the day, hasn't it? But here's the reality, is that we have Jesus, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, and he's invited us in to be in fellowship and relationship with him. We get to rub shoulders with more than just royalty. The King of Kings who's made everything. It's incredible. It's an amazing privilege and opportunity that we have to do that. Are we taking the time to fellowship with Jesus, to, to have him not just a part of our lives, but to say, Jesus, I want you to be the very center of my life, where my whole life it revolves and consists around you and you alone, where everything centers around you, Jesus. That's, that's what it means to really become a disciple and to begin to live for Jesus. Have we surrendered ourselves, given him the chance to be the center of our lives? Well, it leads to our next part. The second part of this volitional dimension is the rim, which is about our obedience to Christ. Now, we can all say that Christ is the, the center of our life, that as Christians, Christ is in us, but how is that really going to be shown? By how, how is that really going to be demonstrated? It's, it's by how we live. It's seen in the outer rim. Just as the rim of any tire, it, the wheel holds the tire, right? It's where the rubber hits the road, right? Well, that's the way it is for the Christian. All of us can say the right things, but where the rubber hits the road is how we live. How do we conduct ourselves? Are we resembling Christ or are we resembling more so the, the old person, the sinful self? Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Paul says that we're to submit our lives to Christ. We're to be willing to just give ourselves wholeheartedly over to Jesus. And he says something interesting. He says, it's your reasonable service. Now, for some, they go, submission, man. I don't, that doesn't sound reasonable. I don't like submission. That's a hard thing to do. Just ask any married person. They'll tell you it's tough. But Jesus, Paul says, it's your reasonable service. Why is it reasonable? Because of what Christ has done for you. Because he says there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, when we begin to understand what Jesus has done for us, how he showed his love, his grace, and his mercy by being willing to go to the cross and give himself for us so that we could have life in him, man, it becomes just a joy and a blessing to say, Jesus, I'm more than willing to give everything to you because without you, I have nothing essentially. You've given it all to me through your life. So it's a very reasonable thing to say, Jesus, I'm wholeheartedly yours based on the mercy and the love and the grace that you have shown me. But you see, this isn't just some test or duty. This is the way that we experience Jesus throughout our lives. It's the way that we show our love for him and experience his love even more. Look at what John 14 verse 21 says. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, when we were going through this chapter a, a number of months ago in our study through John, I read something to you and I'm going to read it again because this is very important. Obedience must flow out of a heart of love. Obedience without love is nothing more than the pursuit of self-righteousness. We will never obey his word if all we feel is a sense of moral obligation. We will never obey his word if all we want is to shore up our standing before God. If we look at the words of Jesus and think, 
I can make him happy if I do this one, or, or, or he won't be angry or disappointed with me as long as I don't mess up on that command, then we're not obeying out of love for him. We're simply trying to earn his favor. If you want to conquer sin and obey Jesus, you don't simply try harder to obey. You stoke the flames of your love for him. The antidote for disobedience isn't obedience, it's love. If you struggle to obey Jesus, then focus on loving him more. Beg God to give you a passion for Jesus. The greater your love grows for him, the easier obedience becomes. It becomes a blessing and a joy. So after looking at this volitional dimension, the relationship to our will in our relationship with God, we begin to move on to some other parts of this wheel, and that is the vertical dimension. Now the key is to discover how we see this power, this presence of Christ now being in the center of the hub, the driving force of this wheel, to move to all the parts of the wheel, to the outer part where you want to see that transfer of power there to the rim, to see the, the obedient Christian in action. How does that happen? This is where the spokes come into play. Just as with any wheel, you need to see these support structures, right? And the very first spoke is very important and instrumental for how the rest of the wheel essentially comes together. So this first spoke that we're going to look at is of utmost importance. And that is the word spoke. If any wheel is going to be rightly balanced, that foundational spoke is so important. For any Christian life to be balanced, well, there needs to be a a proper intake and alignment with the word of God. The word of God, the Bible. It's through the Bible that God shows what his heart is for us, his desire toward us. It's where he lays out his his will, his, his plan, his desire. It's where we secure guidance, strength, and growth. 2 Timothy 3.16 to 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I love this next verse. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped or complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be complete. How many people like to be complete? Being complete is a good thing, isn't it? Well, that's going to come about through the word of God being poured into our hearts and beginning to permeate through our lives. If the word of God is not a key component in your life right now, then how are you going to know Christ? How is Jesus going to remain at the center of your life? How are you going to grow as a believer if there's not a, a daily intake of the word of God? Let me ask you another question. How often do you spend in the word of God? Are you having a daily time to read and study? And then allow yourself just to meditate on that, on that word throughout the day? And there's something sweet that, that comes about as we take time to get in the word, get the word into us, and just begin to meditate on that through the day. And what we encourage people to do is, especially as, uh, those that have gone through the 2-7 series, is to find that time in the day, hopefully in the, in the morning, before all the busyness takes place. You schedule that time. You set your alarm maybe, you know, a little bit earlier. Say, I'm gonna, I want to meet with God. And when you begin to think that you are truly walking into the presence of the Lord where Jesus desires to meet with you, how sweet it is to open up the, the word of God and just allow God to speak to you. And, and I encourage people, man, when you sit down with the word, take a, take a chapter a day to start. 
It doesn't have to be like, you know, five chapters of a whole Just take a chapter a day and just begin to read through. Just begin to mark and underline or highlight things that are really standing out to you. And, and you're going to begin to see the Lord just speaking to you as you're sitting there with anticipation of letting God speak to you. This is how God's going to speak to you today. Isn't it wonderful? That he, he's given us his word to reveal himself and to speak to us. And as you begin to underline and mark, suddenly you just have that one verse maybe that's really been highlighted, that one verse that you just take with you. Maybe you journal that and you just write that down in your journal and you begin to just maybe share how that's spoken to you. And you just begin to meditate on that through the day. And, and you, you'll, you'll begin to find how often the Lord begins to use that. That's what Daniel was sharing in his testimony last week, going through this and, and suddenly just begin to see in your conversation show the day how often that word, that verse just begins to get used in your conversations. And how wonderful it is just to gather together and just begin to share. You ever had somebody come to you and say, hey, what's God been doing in your life lately? Or what's God been saying to you lately? Suddenly you're just taken off guard. You're like, oh my goodness. And we're thinking, we've got to have some great revelation where the audible voice of God has just come down and said, listen, my child, here is a word for you. And we're like, man, I haven't had that happen in a while. I don't know what God's been saying to me. Ah, you're freaking out. But you know, when we just come together and say, hey, what's God been saying to you lately? All you have to do is just say, man, here's what I was reading today. This verse, just the Lord really put that on my heart today. You just share that verse. Right? Just like what Kinda was sharing. Is Kinda still here? Kinda. Kinda. Just like what you're sharing, what you're reading today was, was in what book? Jeremiah. Just the Lord speaking to you on that, right? And, and somebody says, hey, Kinda, what's God been saying to you? Just, oh man, Jeremiah today. Great. I was just reading in, in Psalm 139 this morning and, and in verse 17, how precious are your thoughts towards me? How great is the sum of them? I'm just reading that going, man, Lord, you are thinking about us. You love us. You're interested in us. How great is the sum of your thoughts towards us? Isn't that great? So if you were to ask me today, what's God been saying to you lately? Say, hey, Psalm 139 verse 17. It really encouraged me today. And we just get to respond to one another and just share what God's been doing through the word. Are you having that time? Are you giving yourself opportunity to hear from the Lord and let him speak into your heart and your life. Joshua 1.8, one more verse, I love it. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, if you're really held to that verse, it's truth and promise, we'd be people that are just devouring his word. When you think about that, you go, oh man, it's got some good stuff there. You know, the word could be so useful. Man, I got to get into this. It's so sweet. And that's a, a discipline that needs to be practiced in our lives. Well, the opposite of that now is the, the prayer spoke. The prayer spoke. Prayer is more than just telling God what you need. Oftentimes, it's what we want. <laughs> Lord, can you just do this, please? Prayer is just communing with God. And I think it goes hand in hand with the word. Because what happens when we sit down in that quiet time with the Lord? Say, Lord, just speak into my heart today through your word. As the Lord begins to speak in our hearts through his word, we just get to respond back to the Lord in prayer. And you begin to see this avenue of communication taking place. God speaks to us through his word. We speak to God through prayer. And, and that can be as you're reading through the word, just going, Wow, Lord, that is a wonderful truth. That is a great promise. Thank you, Lord, that you are, are thinking of us so much that, man, how great is the sum of your thoughts to it. Lord, I am so thankful that you are mindful of me. 
That there's nowhere. Psalm 139 goes on to say, there's nowhere I can hide from your presence. Lord, I'm so glad for that. We just begin to respond to the Lord. Maybe you're reading something that kind of hits you. Like, oh, Lord, man, I, I need help with that. Jesus, would you help me to put this into practice? Would you help me to apply this in my life? We just respond to the Lord through his word. That's, that's what prayer does. Prayer is not just asking God for things. Prayer is communing, having communication with our living God. I think so often people don't have that time because they fail to comprehend the reality that there's a living God that desires to meet with you. That he himself desires to commune with you. Is that incredible? That God who made you made this whole world, yet he's interested in you and wants to spend time with you. Do we give him that time? Do we give ourselves that opportunity to meet with the Lord and hear from him. What a blessing it is when we do. Now, prayer is also the direction God gives us, certainly, to bring our needs and requests before him. It's the avenue by which we seek the Lord to carry out his will and work in areas pertaining to our lives and others. So no doubt, there's a place of, of bringing requests, needs before the Lord. He wants us to do that. But John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's praying according to his will, his name. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a great promise that is for us. Do you know how many... Anxious people are in the world today. It's an epidemic. But you know, the Bible says, hey, here's an answer for that. Don't be anxious. Just pray. Give it to the Lord. Seek the Lord. What a blessing that is. So prayer shows our dependence on and, and our trust in the Lord. If he's the center of our lives, he's the one we need to first turn to. He's the one that we need to go to when we're in need, when we need help, when we need strength, when we need encouragement. He's the first person that we should be going to. And we do that through prayer. So as we see these first two spokes center around our relationship to God, the next spokes here are going to emphasize our relationship to others. It's the horizontal dimension is regarding our, our This Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. You know how many times I, I hear from people that are just like, yeah, you know what, I'm just kind of done with church. I'm done with that whole institutional form of, you know, yeah, pff, that's so, you know, who needs that, right? I can sit at home. I've got YouTube. I can listen to other people. I don't need the church. You've probably heard that from people too, and it's becoming more and more common for people just to withdraw. And I say, and I get that there's people that have either been hurt in church, they've had some bad experiences, no doubt, and it's caused them to to walk away. But can I tell you that God has called us into the family of God, where the Bible refers to us as the the body of Christ. In other words, we're to be a living organism that is is operating together in what we do. Now, what would happen if the toe, if the toe were to say, you know what, 
I don't want to be a part of this foot any longer. This foot really stinks, man. I don't get much light down here. Like, it's just not pleasurable. It's not pleasant. The other toes aren't saying hi to me. I'm just going to leave. Somebody? It would die. It needs to be connected. If it's going to grow, if it's going to survive, it needs to be connected. You know, God's set us up that way too. For us to be doing life together, being in connection, being in communion together, being in fellowship together. And I've seen, man, sadly, many people just drift away. And they they begin to kind of just die a slow death, oftentimes. Because they're not being a part of what, what God has called them to be a part of. That's the church here, gathering together. See, we can all learn from one another and receive or give encouragement one to another. You know, so many times people are like, well, I'm just really not getting anything out of that. At church, I'm just not really getting anything. It's just not really doing it for me. Well, isn't that a, a faulty attitude to go on? Shouldn't you be going to say, how can I pour into others? How can I be a blessing? How can I serve? How can I minister? How can I be a greater impact in that body? What can I do? See, again, it comes back to that spiritual child where the very self-indulged focuses on them. So it doesn't matter if you're not having your needs met per se. You get to come and serve. And God says, man, as you begin to serve, man, God's going to use you. He's going to work through you. There's going to be growth that comes through that. There's going to be blessing that comes out of that. So that God wants to continue to grow us. Here's a few verses that we just got to run through quickly because we're, we're past time already. And we're going to blame that on the testimony people, not me today. All right. Okay. Honey, is that cool? Blame it on the testimony of people, not on me today. Okay. Matthew eighteen twenty, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. I love that verse. Isn't that a good verse? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That's what we're called to do is we come together, exhort one another, encourage, build up one another. And you know what? When you begin to build up others, you begin to support strength to one another, you're going to leave here blessed. You're going to leave here being built up yourself. If people leaving going, oh man, just this, nothing, didn't get anything out of that. That's the way people respond when they're at other churches, not at this one, but it's often, man, that's, that's on you. Are you, are you coming to, to give, to stir up love and good works, as Hebrews tells us? And then Paul writes in Philippians 2, don't, don't be selfish in your ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others there. That's the mind of Christ, isn't it? So that's what we're called to do. Now, those first three spokes deal with our relationship to God and other believers. And these three spokes help prepare us to pass on to others what we ourselves have been enjoying in and through the Lord. And that becomes accomplished now through the fourth spoke, the witness spoke. You see, witnessing is simply sharing with other people what you yourself have experienced in Jesus. We're not going to have much to share if we're not spending time in his word or in prayer 
or in fellowship, stirring one another up here to love and good works. We're not going to have a lot to really share with other people. We're not, we're not going to be living a life that's really in, in, in vibrancy and joy where people are going, oh, what's going on there? We're just going to be kind of like, oh. going to be talking about sports or the latest weather. We're going to have nothing much to talk about. But when we're seeing these spokes in operation, Christ the center, and we're seeing that, that relationship to God uh, just growing through the word and through prayer, and we're engaged in fellowship and, and coming alongside other believers, man, we're, we're just going to be living these, these vibrant lives where it's going to be attractive. People are going to be drawn in and go, what, what's going on there with you? What's happening? How come I don't have that same kind of joy or purpose or fulfillment or, or peace? What's going on there? All we get to do is to share with them what Jesus has been doing in our lives. Witnessing for so many people is a fearful thing because it's like, what am I going to say? I, I don't have a good handle on the Bible. I don't, when they start asking, what, all you're asked to do is be a witness. And that's not even something that we have to go and do. It's something we are to be. We're to be living this life where Jesus is being evident as the center, as the power of our life, as the very hub and core where everything is revolving around him. That's going to speak volumes for itself right there where others are going to say, man, share with me what's going on there. And all we need to do is just be a witness of what Jesus has done in our lives. Jesus has called us to this. Matthew 4.19, follow me and I'll make you fishers and men. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So, listen, I'm running through all this here quickly. That really essentially completes the wheel. But, again, just those three main areas, the volitional dimension, the vertical dimension, the horizontal dimension. But let me ask you this. What is a, a wheel used for? What is a wheel used for? Moving, right? To move us. And, and our Christian lives are meant to be lived in this forward motion, progressing and growing. How does Christ move with power through to the full being of each believer? It's, it's through those spokes. We don't want to see Jesus just hanging out in the middle. We want to see him invading and impacting every part of our lives. That's realized now in the obedient Christian. And the obedient Christian is seeing the power of God active now in their lives where Christ is not just the center, he's, he's everything. And he's moving that wheel in perfect symmetry with his will. That's the place of complete joy and peace. Now, when a wheel turns, we do not see the individual spokes. What do you see? You see the hub. See, when this wheel begins to get in action and in motion, you're going to see Jesus. That's what you're going to be seeing. Our goal is for the Holy Spirit to transform us into Christ's likeness so that he is preeminent in our lives. There's a great quote here. It says, Christ is present in all Christians. Christ is prominent in some Christians, but in only a few Christians is Christ preeminent. See, these disciplines are like the spokes of a wheel, keeping the tension between movement and structure. But a word of caution is needed here. I don't want to end with this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here as we end with this. See, catch this here. It's easy to confuse the means and the end. Perfecting the disciplines, improving one's prayer life, or becoming a more effective witness is not the end. 
The end is knowing Christ. Our means to get there is the practice of the disciplines. Our goal is not to perfect the means, word, prayer, fellowship, witness. Our goal is not to perfect the means. Our goal is to get to know the master. Is to grow in Christ. And is to see him all the more being the Lord of our lives, the center of everything that we do. So that when we are in forward motion, Christ becomes all the more seen in and through our lives. That's our prayer for our church this year. Is that we're seeing one another being encouraged in growing. You know, a, a fault is oftentimes that, well, we just teach the word and people are going to grow. And that's certainly a good place to start, teaching the word of God. And I'm thankful that that does have much fruit. But even more so, it's, it's taking that time individually, personally, where you begin to apply these areas in your life to say, man, I want to see these things taking root in my heart and in my life and me growing these things so that I might know Christ more, so that Christ might become even more just the, the center, the hub, the, the power source of my life and everything I do. So let's make that our prayer this year. And, and if you were going to be looking at more opportunities of, of even some practical areas of discipleship, but you know, we're, we're training up a team right now just to be available to do that one-on-one with people. And that's something that you're interested in, coming alongside another brother or sister and being discipled even one-on-one. Come and let me know. Because, man, we'd love to see that happen. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for our day. Thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you that you come to, Lord, not just give us life, but to be our life. It's all centered in and found in you. And so we pray, Lord, that we would see our lives continuing to grow in you. Help us in that, Lord. We commit ourselves to you today. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's just close with this song here.